As we're getting started, let me go ahead and pray to open this up. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come before you, come together as a class, to be discipled, to follow you, to discover more and more of who you say that you are and who you say that we are. God, I pray that we would have a great vision for our lives, great dreams, but at the same time, we would have patience with ourselves and with each season that we're in. Lord, bless this time together. And what's fun is in a big class, we get to take the material, discover for ourselves, and then as iron sharpens iron, grow together. We can share what we're learning as you're revealing things to us. So I pray that we would open our hearts up to that, that we would be surprised by the Spirit of God, that we would be surprised by what we don't know that we don't know, and you show these things to us. God, I pray that anything that is hindering us in our walk with you would be dismantled through this class. I pray that in our quiet times, you would display more and more of our identity and who we are in you. God, I think that's the yearning in each of our hearts because we, we feel like a person who has sticky notes of labels that the world has put on us and it's time to slough that off. So God, I pray that we would get a clean slate in here and when you start downloading things to us and maybe our mind is resisting it a little bit, I pray that we relinquish control over to your spirit, that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind to the way that you say that we are made as new creations in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So on your paper, where your name is, again, some of these things are not going to be bad things. Some, I mean, that's a bad one. Um... I certainly don't want to be considered intimidating, but I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a, I'm a pastor, I'm, I'm these different things, but that's not who I am. Those are things that I do. Those are relationships that I'm in. So we want to learn, most importantly, who does God say that he is? Because that's the only way that we're going to be able to find out who we are. Creator, created. So if we know the source of where that's coming from, then we're not in this like new age self-actualization, you must dig into yourself to find out who you are. That's a bunch of baloney. Because I can't tell myself who I am. Only the inventor can tell us what the invention was purposed for, right? That makes great sense. It makes sense because, and we also have a, a reader's manual. You know, we have the Bible to tell us how to live life. And I think I was joking about this on um, that Sunday I preached a few weeks ago, that I'm not going to open the Bible and find, Amelie, you should do this today, you should do this, and you're going to marry Dan. And I mean, none of that was in Scripture. But when I centered my life on Scripture, I was able to pray and receive answers for the things that God had as a plan for my life. And I've gotten plenty of things wrong. Don't get, don't, don't get me wrong. I've gotten them wrong. But it's that walk of faith. You're taking those steps. And then if he's saying, okay, 
guide, go this direction, he can, well, I'm moving, so he can start moving me in that direction. So with our identity, we obviously want to know who we are. What's my purpose? You know, we're, we're teaching purpose-driven life on Monday nights as well. And we're not really going to get into purpose. We're actually going to dive into more of the intricate personality, love languages, spiritual gifts, and then the, the spiritual disciplines that cultivate those things inside of us so that when they grow out of us, they are the byproduct of what God's been doing inside of us. So this is a freeing class because if you've ever felt like you've been labeled by somebody, have you ever felt like you've been labeled by somebody and then you fought that for a while and you don't even know why? You're just going, well, I'm not that person, I'm not that person. Well, whoever said you were? And so breaking some of that off of you, I know I have. I know I have... I have tr- Honestly, I've lived my life trying not to be the person that somebody said that I was. Uh, That is a miserable way to live my life. And that was one person, and nobody else saw it, and nobody else cared. So that was in my mind. That was something that I had to overcome. Or maybe still need to overcome, if I'm so honest. All right. So one of the things that I want to start with is Psalm 139. Verse 13. Who has an NIV translation on them by any chance? Okay, Samantha, would you go ahead and read to us Psalm 139, 13. You'll recognize this one. This is a favorite for most people, but go ahead. You created... My inmost being? Yeah. In my mother's womb. Thank you. Okay, so what I found interesting about this scripture is how we read it. I feel like in the past, I have read this, you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Now that's accurate. But if you take the emphasis, and this is exactly where we align ourselves with God, we go... You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. The focus changes, it changes. And when we look at it that way, he's the one that did the work. He's the one that started it. He knew of us before the foundations of the earth were laid. That's unfathomable to me, because I think as a builder, I would be focused on, oh, I don't know, the foundations of the world. But he knew us and created earth for us. So I don't need to get into the theology of creation. But the focus on this changing to, okay, God, who are you and who do you say that I am? 
We want everyone to understand who they are to be created in Christ. In order to do that, we have to be intentional, we have to be teachable, and we have to be consistent. How many of us have, and I do want you to raise your hand as kind of a demonstration of faith, are a little resistant to change? Oh, we got some we got some changers in the back. Good. But for the most of us, and especially because I tend to believe maybe what my mom said about me when I was 25 years old or whatever it might be. Or I might have failed. Failure may have created a pattern in my life where instead of saying, "No, I'm this person," I actually adopt the identity of that failure. And instead of adopting the identity of the failure, we repent, we confess, we move forward. Failure is really just part of life, but too many of us take it to heart. And so we don't want to adopt those things as our identity. Proverbs 29:18 says, "Where there is no vision, the people perish." So the whole purpose of this teaching is to be able to give that vision so you know where you're headed. For example, um, when I was 19 years old, I felt the call into vocational full-time ministry. We're all ministers, um, but I felt like I was called to church ministry. I didn't know what that looked like, but I took the first step, and the first step was offered an internship position. I take the internship position, Scrubbing toilets and scraping gum off of the bleachers in the kids' kids' church ministry. It's a very humbling experience, let me tell you. But I loved every minute of it. And then slowly started progressing. I fell in love with the kids. I fell in love with their parents. I fell in love with ministry and what God was doing. But it's interesting. I was never called to children's or youth ministry. In that time, while I was serving, I felt God was stirring in my heart, you are called to adult ministries. And I'm going, well, how am I going to get there? I'm barely an adult myself. Well, the good news is, is we all do get older and hopefully we grow up. That was for most of the guys in the room. (laughs) Poking a little fun at my husband. Boys, boys just get older, they never grow up. That's what I always tell them. Sorry, break that word, curse in Jesus' name. But in, in doing that, it was the, it was the momentum, that, that faithful momentum that continued to teach me. And my seasons changed. There for a while, I felt specifically called to minister to women. Then I felt very specifically called to minister to well, specifically over the transformation ministry. And God has transitioned me, though I'm still over transformation ministry, um, doing spiritual warfare and deliverance and inner healing and prophecy. Um, I feel like God has definitely transitioned me into that lead pastor's wife, whatever that means for every pastor's wife. Um, But I get to discover what that is. And in this season, I'm I'm doing a lot of identity search for myself as well. So just join me in in my journey. So the problem is, when we don't have a clear understanding of who God created us to be, we will tend to wander aimlessly or running around wild and unrestrained. 
sometimes hoping for God to speak to us, but we don't recognize his voice. In that case, we end up getting caught up in phantom voices from our past and present that tear us down. They tear down our worth. They tear down our value. So in this class, you will discover important foundational information about how God created mankind with the essential elements, but how each of us has a unique design with each of those elements. So it's kind of like a chocolate cake recipe. All of the ingredients would be the same, right? Theoretically. Um, Flour, eggs, oil, milk, chocolate. Come on, somebody help me out here. Throw me a bone. What do we have? What do we hear? Sugar. Oh, see? I was going to have like chocolate bread if I didn't have the sugar. Thank you. But somebody else might use different measures or amounts. Some people might add cinnamon. Some people might, might add, I like to add sour cream to my cakes. It makes it a little more dense. Some people want to take the oil out and add applesauce. And so you see how a recipe can be altered just a little bit, but the main components stay the same. That's very similar to what we're talking about in the identity class, because we're going to be talking about personality. We're going to be talking about our love languages. And you guys have probably heard a lot of this before, but it's about laying that foundation so that when we leave out of this class, you go, ah, I see my open door. I see my opportunity. One of the kings of seeing and finding opportunities is sitting in the back of the class right now. Mr. Bo Tibbetts, he has hilarious stories about how he will encounter people, uh, spread the gospel, um, change people's lives because he just saw the open door. He has the confidence to be able to do it. Do you want to just come teach the class? (laughs) Okay, that's cool. But the point is, is that he, he looks for those opportunities in every season. He's, he's seen some miraculous things in his own life and attributes them to God. And so that's what, it, that's what I love about watching somebody step into their identity. So, basically this class is the who, what, where, when, and why of you. You know, we all want purpose. A lot of times when we're purposeless, we'll start to feel hopeless. We'll start to feel meaningless. Why am I folding laundry yet again today? Why am I... The mundane things in life can be really almost painful. You can become resentful of them. But when you have your identity fixed, you're going, yeah, God, this is part of how I'm ministering to my family, and this is... It it changes your attitude. There's a great book by John Maxwell called The Winning Attitude that talks about the importance of attitude in our lives. Not going to go into that tonight, but it's a great read. So at your base level... What are you prone to do in your personality? Who you are, what you were created to do, and why you do things. So this is not going to be hard and fast, because even when we do the personality profiles, um, they're going to give you guidelines, but there's going to be things that are a little bit different. Um, For example, and we're going to get into this next week, uh, Pastor Sean and I actually have the same personality type, almost to a T, He's the dude version of it. I'm the female version of it. And when we're working together, we have to remind each other, okay, big dream. Now actually do something about it. 
So we have, we have assistants around us who help us to get things done instead of just keep dreaming. But um, we sure have a lot of fun in the office. Our office is really fun. But um, we don't, we, yeah, we need our assistants to help us get things done. But, so it's not hard and fast. He's still going to do things different, not just because he's a guy, but because God has given him different spiritual gifts different love languages and how all that works together and you're going to see how that flows out in how you interact with other people how you see the different callings that God has put on your life and guys it becomes really really fun I love when I'm in the store and God goes go pray with that person and I'm like I don't know that person really I okay and I'll say can I pray with you and they start crying and I'm like is that a yes Okay, and I start to pray, and God starts downloading what would be prophetic words, what would be um, words of knowledge. We'll get into that in a couple weeks. Um, but that is not something my husband is comfortable with. My husband, that's a nightmare for my husband. He, he, he does not function that way. If God gave him the opportunity, certainly he would do it. But me, I'm like, I'm, I'm looking for the opportunity. So when you find out that kind of identity stuff, and you, you don't need to listen to that story and go, oh, I'm supposed to be like that. No, I want to help you find how you're going to interact with the Holy Spirit working in our community, with your family, and honestly with you. How many of us could just use some personal ministry? Can I get an amen? Yeah. And that's the thing. A lot of times we forget about that. We forget in kingdom building that... We bypass ourselves because we're always looking for the next person. But do remember that God saved you. He, he loves you deeply and intimately. So I think that was more of a word for myself than for you, but you can receive it too. <laughs> so as we identify the parameters where you can identify your strengths and develop those, and then you can also... Identify your weaknesses and either strengthen them or, better yet, co-labor. Find people who are stronger in that. Tacey is one of my good friends. She is so much better at a lot of things than I am. And so co-laboring with her, she makes me a stronger woman. She makes me a better woman. And I'd like to think I make her a better woman. Okay, she nodded. That was a good answer. <laughs> but but the answer is, is that... In my weaknesses, I don't necessarily have to be the best at that next thing. The body of Christ, we get to play our role, play our function, and be the body together. So, we have to allow things to ebb and flow, to change, to mature, and transform, and to develop. And the reason I say this is because if you're like me, I'm pretty impatient, so... Um, when I go through a class like this, I just want to transform overnight and just call it good. But Jesus is more in the process than, than the finish line. And so as I work in progress, we function because we stay dependent upon him. So the process is part of the fun part. We're going to speak life into that. When you understand who you are, how you were formed, and what you can become... You have a vision to shoot for. Remember we said, where there's no vision, the people perish. And as you do that, you can more easily relate to other people. 
You can overcome negative situations, which, if you're like me, I want to be the type of person who responds rather than reacts in negative situations. I want to be so filled with the Spirit. I want to know my own confidence. I don't want to be defensive so that when, if it is a negative circumstance, that I'm responding instead of reacting. Because there is a difference between the two of those. And so a lot of this, especially your confidence, will help develop that response to something. You can slow down. Um, in ministry, I've gotten difficult emails, difficult phone calls, and had to explain something, or I don't know, trying to be vague on purpose. And one of the things that I learned to do was to just listen. And then by the time the conversation's done, the person has diffused, and I can say, okay, so what I hear you saying is this. Well, I did say that, but but that's not what I meant. I got my feelings hurt, and... It's helped me be, be res- responsive, but not reactionary to a person's anger. I don't add fuel to the fire. But that has taken a lot of my own identity development to be able to do that. Because that very, that's very humbling when you're being yelled at. That's, that's not fun. But it is possible. I have um, a quote that is one of my favorites. I I think it might be a Chinese quote, but my fi- I'm going to attribute it to my favorite blues musician, Johnny Lang. Interestingly enough, it came up today. Um, the journey of a thousand miles begins when you take the first step. So when you're taking those first steps to get towards your destiny, I mean, some of you are older in this room, some of you are younger. I'm not going to ask ages, I was about to, but I won't. Um, <laughs> the The... We all have the privilege of continuing to grow. That's what's so exciting. I remember um, Jill Buck. She just passed away. That woman was always learning. That woman always had material. She was reading. She was listening to. She would sit me down. She was 90 years old. And she would say, Amelie, what do you think about this? And I'm going, why don't you tell me about that? And one of my favorite things she ever said to me was I was having, I was throwing myself a pity party, actually, and having a difficult time. And um, I, so I sat next to her and I said, Jill, what do you do as a pastor's wife? Because she was a pastor's wife for 35 years, which consequently, that's how old I am. Hmm, okay. And, and, she said, and I said, you know, what do you do? How do you handle criticism? And she said, well, are you good with God? Y- yeah. Are you good with your husband? Yeah. Then who cares? She had no sympathy for me whatsoever. But it was the thing I needed to hear. Because she didn't coddle me. She didn't go, oh, baby girl, it's going to be okay. She's like, no, it's probably going to happen again. You're not going to please everybody. And I, so I love being the fact that she was this model of always learning, always growing always changing. I want to be like that woman. She was amazing. In our lives, we deal with people. Can't live with them, can't live without them, right? People can be some of the most difficult circumstances that we deal with in life. Like when you think about a circumstance, it's usually tied to a person, right? 
Learning how our personalities respond and react to certain people or circumstances can often set us up for success because we can take a deep breath and act rather than react. So in those moments, we can be spirit-controlled because we've slowed down to evaluate rather than just react emotionally. So our emotions do get caught up in, um, in, I mean, we get offended. We get, when somebody disrespects us, what's our first reaction? Defense. Excuse me, I deserve better than that. Um, Tacey, do you remember what personality type you are? Cleric Sanguine. Okay. That one may not work. Is anybody in here a melancholy flag mat? Okay, so... Oh, are you two... Okay, so we'll use, we'll use them as an example then. Yay for that. And we'll get into more of the personality stuff next week, but they essentially, based on what we're going through, have opposite personality types. And so not only is it important for Tacey to recognize her personality type for herself so that she can foster the strengths and mitigate the weaknesses, and, uh, but it helps her when she knows her husband's personality type because then when they have interactions, she can say, okay, that was not meant to offend me or hurt me. It, it leaves room for love to start working its way in. That's one reason why we've, in, in the past, we've had the whole church take the personality types because when we ask people, what's your personality type? I will know best how to approach a person. Oh, okay. So that's not coming from a place of weakness. That's actually one of your strengths. Um, I'm just being a bullheaded choleric at this moment. And we'll get, we'll get into more of that next week. But understanding that helps us live in a better, tighter-knit community. And honestly, as a church, we need to develop we need to develop the ability. To, I mean, the Bible says, let's, let's love one another. That's a pretty generic command. So we want to learn how to do that in a really good way. Well, these are some practical things. They're all taken from Christian texts. So how you, identifying how you respond to people and to God, this is going to be important, sets you up for success in your life. Because... There's not a cookie-cutter mold for how we respond to God, okay? You will hear us pastors, we, we preach like the main, like four or five spiritual disciplines, and I'm just going to ask you because I know you know them. What's the first one? Spiritual, uh, Sorry. Uh, practices, things we tell you you should do to strengthen in your relationship with the Lord? Okay. So I heard prayer. But what is coffee with God? Bible reading? Okay. How about... Have you, this one, people, people are going to get mad at me. Fasting, spiritual discipline, service. We don't have to go much further. Okay. So, again, kind of like the recipe, these should be incorporated into our lives. 
But we're all going to have a different way that it functions. And so when you discover how you relate to and how you how you approach God and how you receive from him, A, you will get more out of it. And I don't mean that selfishly. I mean your connection with God will be that much better. But one of the things that I discovered when I learned about some of these things and how different people respond and react to God and receive from him, it helped me to appreciate different churches, different churches' mandates. You know, why some churches are a little more traditional than, say, a charismatic whatever we are. What are we? We're fellowship. That's what we are. But... It helped me to appreciate, because some people have said, you know, I, I liked fellowship, but it was just too big. Um, I can appreciate that. It's why we create reasons to have smaller settings where we can connect with people. It's why we promote small groups. I'm not going to get into all that right now. But the point is, is that it helps you understand you better, and it helps you relate to other people better. And exposing you to that is going to set you up for success. So, the purpose of this class is to help lay the foundation for your identity in Christ. Many people think that they need to, to deny their identity to be a Christian. You know, we hear, take up your cross daily. But that's, it's not, they're not talking about, they're talking about carnal nature. They're not talking about the, our God-given, he placed it in us, how to function in a beautiful relationship with him. We're not talking about that. God makes us come alive and brings us to true life. So when we die to the old self, he lets the new man rise to life in him. And I love that. So we can let the joy and peace and power of God to bring to life that true God-given identity in us. We're going to talk about personality the love languages, spiritual gifts, and spiritual disciplines. And please don't miss spiritual disciplines week. That's not a dirty word. That is a fantastic spiritual practices, whatever you want to call it. The spiritual disciplines form and train you to develop your personality, develop your gifts, develop your function and your flow. And your. I'm going to get into other big words over the weeks, but your sphere or your metron, um, those are weird terms that we use, but we'll talk about the circles of influence that you have in the community, with your family, where you work, those kinds of different things. We will discover our inherent, quote-unquote, DNA inside each of us, based on those core human elements, and then learn how to develop these aspects of ourselves. So, I'm kind of jumping ahead right now, but I can't help it because I'm so excited. Um, I'm a sanguine, so I'm an extroverted, people person kind of person. And when I discovered that that is a strength, and there are strengths to being a sanguine, I could mitigate the weaknesses, and I could strengthen the, the strengths of them. So one of the things that I love to do, especially at church, is to work the room. I want, pe- I want people to know that they're loved and they're welcomed at church. Now, I don't get to greet 3,000 people every weekend, but I try. I, I try to work and smile, and I, I, I have one of those faces, and I'm not going to use the word, 
I have one of those faces that if I'm not smiling, <laughs> you might not want to approach me. Um, well, I learned that, and I learned a long time ago that if I plastered a smile on my face, like, this is actually a fun game. So I love when I'm in church or when I'm at the mall, I'll just be smiling, and I'll walk by somebody, and I'll smile. I'm not joking. I actually do this. There is a thing called mirror neurons, and they fire in another person. So if I'm grinning, they usually go... I love doing that. My husband gets a kick out of it because he'll be like, I want you to get that one to smile. And I'm like, okay, okay. And I'm like... And I'm not super awkward. I kind of made that look awkward, but I... (laughs) It's fun to me because scientifically that works. But it's also the opposite. If I have a negative look on my face, the mirror neurons fire in the other person and they will frown. But I recognize that my face looks like this. And so I put a smile on my face. If I put sunglasses on, you would, be, you would, you would think I was a very mean person. I'm being very gentle with my words right now. So, <laughs> so as we are discovering these elements... It leads us to greater intimacy with the Lord, too. Because when you can appreciate the identity that he's put inside of you, A, you stop cursing yourself, like, why am I like this, God? Why do do I do that? Sometimes, in my sanguineness, I will go over the top just a little bit, and I will beat myself up over it. And God will have to remind me, Amelie, I created you this way. You don't know how many people you made laugh and smile, and you're beating yourself up over it. And then you have, and I'm, I'm just giving you the examples from my life, but you have the uh, flag mats who are the comforters, who are the, I mean, they are so good. They're the, they're the person that you want to go to when you're feeling down, because they're going to make you feel really good about yourself. And then we can get into the other ones later again, we're doing that all next week, but... When you discover that, it actually helps you fight. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. In the taking those thoughts captive. Because when you have the truth in your mind, the fiery arrow tries to hit your mind, and you you tend to just go, no, that's not me. No, that's not me. But if you don't know the truth, and you're accepting those lies... We're actually doing the devil's work for him. So, in setting ourselves up for success, we can go, wait, no. I'm an encourager. I'm a party waiting to happen. I make people feel better about themselves. Instead of beating myself up for, oh, you just made an idiot of yourself in front of all those people. And I've learned that over the years. So, One of the things that we're going to do, did you all pick up the tests that were on the uh, back table? If you did not, go ahead and go to the back table and grab those. Tests, questionnaires, I think I scared you with the word test. It's not a test, it's a questionnaire. I know, yeah, Dan Schwetman about left on me. He's like, "Uh uh-uh. So there should be two, personality, let me see, 
And these are love languages. Okay, so we just, and we're going to get into this next week, but we just had a great point brought up, and that is sometimes we adjust our personalities um, based on life circumstances, hurts, traumas, fear of failure, fear of rejection. That's some of the stuff we're going to mitigate, okay? We want to break you free. And yes, in certain scenarios, if he's a boss, he's going to have to wear a choleric leader hat more often even if it's outside of his natural realm, but to feel like he's doing it in his identity is is actually what we're going for the most. Okay, so let's take a few minutes, or more than a few minutes, honestly, to do these. Um, The reason we're doing these right now is because next week we're going to uh, start teaching on them, and I want you to be able to come back with the information so that when we're teaching on them, you go, okay, that one's me, okay, that one's me. And then when we move into love languages, you'll have the same thing. So let's work on personality first, because that's the more important one for next week. And then you can move on to the love languages one after that. Cool?